Hey there, thank you so much for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Burke Allen here from Washington, D.C., and the podcast, as always, brought to you by our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the United States' largest online speakers bureau. If you're a meeting planner or you're a speaker, get together on SpeakerMatch.com and figure this whole thing out. And to help us figure out how it works, we went to the top of the Speaker Match food chain. He is the big cheese, the big kahuna, the CEO of Speaker Match, Brian Kaplowitz, is our guest today, joining us from his palatial estate in the suburbs of Austin, Texas. Hello, Brian. How are you? <laughs> hey, Bert. It's good to be here again. Well, it's good to have you. I want to dig into this whole thing and figure out um, how it works if you're a speaker or if you're a meeting planner now because, you know, middle of March, everything changed. So so give me some intel. First of all, when when did you first realize that your entire industry was about to go through a major upheaval? What was the first sign for you? Well, I've lost track of all days and times. So how long ago, I don't remember. It seems like forever. Uh, but yeah, it was what, middle of March, uh, third week in March when we had uh, stay in place orders set for us here in Austin. And that was kind of, a, I guess, the beginning of everything. I think most of us thought that we would be changing things for a couple of weeks and and things would start to get back to normal. So it definitely was some time after all that started, uh, probably middle of April before people started to really think that things were not going to recover as quickly. I remember back in, uh, in the first week of March that they announced the South by Southwest event that is a huge economic driver in your city was being canceled for this year. And and I thought to myself, man, that's a big deal. And I wonder if it's because all these big tech companies have an inkling of what's happening. That's why South by Southwest apparently canceled when they did because all those tech companies said, we're not going to send any of our folks there. And, and I think that was March 6th or somewhere around in there. Um, what sort of economic impact does that have on a city like Austin when you pull a massive event like that? It's got to be huge, right? It, from yeah, I'm hearing the same things that uh, that you are in the national news. It's definitely hit Austin hard. It's one of our big money makers for the city, and people are seeing that all over the country. These big events, uh, you know, places like Las Vegas have conference uh, conferences that generate a lot of income for the economy in the area. So really everybody is experiencing this. It just trickled down, uh, you know, from the restaurants that people go to when they come in town, everything with the travel industry, hospitality. There's so many things that are affected by conferences. And if you're just joining us, Brian Kaplowitz, the CEO of Speaker Match, is our guest today. They're not only the show sponsor, but uh, we thought it would be interesting to, to bring him in and, and talk about the change in that industry. And and for folks who are listening to the Big Time Talker podcast today and, and they're not familiar with Speaker Match or what you do, give us the elevator pitch. What is Speaker Match? Well, Speaker Match is basically a way for meeting planners to find speakers and really ultimately for speakers to be found. The basic premise of the whole system is that as a speaker, you can't possibly get booked if a meeting planner doesn't know you exist. 
and the meeting planner can't find, uh, you know, can't book a speaker if they, you know, they don't know a place to find them. So we've got a platform for those two sides to find each other. So it's like an online matchmaking uh, service for speakers and for meeting planners. And as I understand it, it's everything from the guy who pops in and does 20 minutes at the local Rotary Club uh, to big multinational speaking events, right? Yeah, I consider it more of a marketplace than a matchmaking service. But yes, we definitely focus on the events where a speaker is in front of an audience and the types of speakers that I work with are delivering a message. Uh, typically it's not as interactive as like a training or workshop would be. So I, I tend to work with the, uh, the keynote speakers. So generally considered a keynote speaker. And, and in that industry, most speakers prior to the pandemic would hop in a car, hop on an airplane and fly somewhere and give a keynote presentation to uh, you know, a big convention in Las Vegas or, you know, a meeting in New York or Washington, D.C. And immediately, I'm assuming that all came to a screeching halt, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Tell me sort of what happened when the pandemic hit in terms of the, the activity on your site and, and how you saw the world change. So absolutely. Screeching halts down from maybe 1,400 events that were scheduled in the system to about eight. And I don't even think that those eight, you know, continued as, uh, as originally planned. Uh, there are a few places that were trying the online keynote delivery. Uh, very few. I probably could count on one hand the number of events that did that. There, I know there were a couple of really big events, 10,000 plus attendees that transferred for their conference to online with an online keynote. But from what I've heard about that, it was not, not very good. Um, kind of like you might've seen on some of the late night talk shows when they first started broadcasting from home, uh, you know, using a webcam, not great quality, not great sounds. Um, people were just not ready for it. It was, something that I think audiences were definitely forgiving of, and they still are, that it's not great quality, but the expectations are definitely changing as, uh, as people are kind of figuring out how to improve the quality of the content they're delivering. Brian Kaplowitz is our guest today. He's the CEO of SpeakerMatch.com, the United States' largest uh, online virtual speakers bureau where meeting planners and speakers come together. And, and as Brian said earlier, it's a, a marketplace for those two to, to figure out all the details. And I would, I would have to assume that figuring out how to unwind all these things must be enormous too. Now, Speaker Match doesn't get involved in, in the contracting, as I understand it, but, but what does happen if, if, let's say, you've got a speaker on Speaker Match and that speaker has a contract to appear in April at an event in Las Vegas and that event is canceled? How does the money work? How do you unwind all that? I'm hearing everything. Some events are being canceled and speakers are just not being paid. Even if there's a contract, uh, meeting planners are saying our event is canceled. We're not going to be able to pay you. So you know, the speaker has to 
basically deal with it because generally it's not worth taking it to court and fighting the contract. Uh, that's the, probably the worst case scenario. And in a lot of cases, speakers are saying, that's fine. I understand these things happen. It's a pandemic and I'd love to work with you again in the future. Don't worry about it. So that's typically what's happening with that case. There are many organizations that are putting their plans on hold. Uh, that's, that was definitely the bulk of the meeting planners, uh, the bulk of the meeting planners, most of the meeting planners were putting their events on hold for right now, just trying to figure out what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Um, and some of them are canceling events, but uh, it's, it's really all over the place. Um, trying to, meeting planners are trying to work things out with speakers. And it, it also makes things difficult for people to reschedule because a lot of events, for example, had a time scheduled, you know, they had everything booked in advance at a venue. And if they want to reschedule, there's a problem because somebody else may have had those future time slots booked. And so it's not clear if everything, if things are opening up or not when everybody's going to be available. So it's, it's really, really, really tough situation for everyone. Ryan Kaplowitz joining us from SpeakerMatch.com and the speaking industry, just one of thousands, tens of thousands, that are adversely affected in a big way by COVID-19 and perhaps more than most. I know the, the entertainment industry, lots of those big concert tours, they have just uh, you know canceled the entire year. They're, they're not going out for the entire year, but most speakers probably can't afford to do that. They're not, you know, Taylor Swift who charges over a million dollars per performance. So what are most of these speakers doing? What are they telling you? Well, the best speakers, the ones who really tend to make the most money, don't make their money primarily through being on stage. Uh, they're not earning the bulk of their income through speaking fees. They're earning their money on a business that they have on the back end. So maybe a consulting firm, maybe an attorney, or um, you know, they, they have some other business services. Sometimes they provide workshops and trainings and other types of services for businesses. Uh, there's authors. Um, there's really all kinds of, uh, of things that people do especially with my audience, I work with emerging speakers and emerging speakers are not earning the bulk of their income through speaking fees. So those businesses in some cases are easier to maintain online. They can maintain relationships with clients online and continue to work with people in other ways. If a speaker was not prepared with other uh, streams of income, they definitely will have more problems than those who have diversified with more ways to generate some income. But I think for the most part, speakers have content to, to deliver and they have other ways to deliver content than being in front of an audience. So for keynote speakers, uh, keynotes are the toughest thing to, to convert to online delivery. So 
a keynote speaker is somebody who's going to be in front of an audience on a big stage. They could be talking to thousands of people, and it's one way. This is not an interactive conversation they're having that you would have in a training or a workshop. So doing that online is really, well, certainly live, is not great. It's going to be much better for people, or they would rather watch a well-produced video like a TED Talk. And so speakers need to think about how they can put their content together and deliver it in a way that is engaging and, uh, you know, meaningful to the meeting planner, something that has value. So definitely needs to, they need to deliver something that seems like it has some value, but just sitting on your couch in front of a webcam and delivering a keynote address doesn't really work so well. So it's really, from what you're learning, it's about increasing the production value of the presentation um, as much as the content. Is that fair to say? Well, some people are doing that, and I don't think that that's going to be a long-term strategy for success for speakers because it just doesn't have the perceived value that a live keynote has. It, it's easy to calculate a, uh, I, I guess, a value for a keynote speaker if you have a large audience and you're thinking of a speaker as entertainment. So my general rule of thumb is 10 to $20 per head for an event. If you have 200 people coming to an event, $10 a head would be $2,000, you know, $20 a head would be $4,000. So somewhere in that range would be reasonable. If you've got 10,000 people coming, then it's probably towards the lower end of that range, but $100,000 for a speaker would not be unreasonable for that size audience. A watch, you know, having a, having 10,000 people at home watching a streaming video and paying that kind of money doesn't seem to make sense to people. And there, you know, it, it's hard to say that it has that value. I don't think speakers are going to get that kind of value for it. So I think that in the, in the short term, speakers are going to need to find other ways to deliver content that is more meaningful and has more perceived value. But we'll eventually get back to the live keynotes and that business will start again. But I think it, I don't know that it's really worth it for speakers to invest too much time and money in coming up with content that is a lot better for delivery online to be delivered as a keynote address. Nothing wrong with doing that and having it available in other formats. Uh, but I don't, I don't see it as a keynote that people will pay a lot of money for. Brian Kaplovitz from SpeakerMatch.com is our guest today, and he's been working in the speaking industry for decades. Is uh, the head of the largest virtual speakers bureau in the United States. We're talking to him about how this industry has been impacted by COVID nineteen and how it's changed. And in, in terms of virtual speaking, you, you gave us a pretty good thumbnail of what a speaker might reasonably expect to be paid for an in-person event. Is the money sort of all over the road for these virtual events? Is it uh, you know, completely way down? Is there any kind of metric to know if, if you can't possibly <laughs> go and deliver something in person, what can you expect to be paid to deliver it virtually? Do you know? 
I'd say 99.9% of the requests I'm getting for virtual speakers are asking for free speakers. So, wow. And so are the speakers doing that? Just, the, the expectation is just very, very, very low. They say, well, we can't, you know, since we can't have somebody come live, maybe we can get somebody virtually. Of course, we don't pay for that, right? So. And, and uh, are speakers yeah, doing that? Speakers, are they giving it, giving it a, away right a now? A lot of speakers. A lot of speakers are, yes, which doesn't help uh, help things for the speakers that want to hold out for money because if meeting planners have lots of sources they can go to to get a free keynote online, why would they pay more for something that you know, it, it just doesn't really make sense? So, yeah, a lot of people are delivering things free, and that's all over the place. Thing, people are giving stuff away. Um, that may change, but right now speakers have the idea that they just, they want to be out there. They want to remain relevant. They want to be remembered by the planners that they're working with as having done something for them during this time of need. And they're hoping that the meeting planners will remember them when they do get back to having live meetings and they'll be rewarded that way. And I think that the meeting planners have that same kind of attitude. They feel like this is not the big event we were going to have. It's not going to be the big money maker for us. We're probably you know, maybe even losing money on it. Um, and if you can help us out right now, that would be great. We'll definitely remember you when we do eventually get back to business and you'll definitely be brought in as a major speaker. So uh, that's, that's kind of the equation that's going on on both sides. Speakers pay a small fee to be listed on your speaker's platform. So if they give it away too much, I guess that doesn't make an awful lot of sense for them in the long term. So my next question would be, what what sort of forecasting are you hearing from, if you are hearing from meeting planners, are they uh, ramping things up for late summer? Are you seeing things slap back in for fall? Is it all being pushed to, to 2021? Uh, or is it kind of all over the road right now? It's all over the place. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Uh, the president says that we're going to have a big event in North Carolina with 50,000 people all packed into a big room together in August, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, if that happens and things go well, then things will move along quick, more quickly for everybody else. Um, I think that the sentiment seems to be among most people that that's not realistic and that it's going to be into next year before people start having having live events and sizable live events are going to be well into next year if you know I don't I don't know how much into next year but once we have a once we have a vaccine I think things will change a lot. But before that, there's going to be a lot of rethinking about how things need to work out. I told many people that my, my touchstone is Disney. Once Disney figures out a way to draw crowds that feel comfortable coming and hanging out as crowds, then the industry will be on the road to recovery. But there's a lot of really smart people at Disney and Marriott and Hyatt that are 
dependent on big events and conferences. And if they can figure out a way to work with the conditions that we're living under right now, and the airlines, the airlines need to figure out how to make sure that people are traveling safely and uh, safely and feeling comfortable traveling. Um, once if they get something figured out, then you know we'll we'll be doing okay. But I think that a really big part of this equation is how comfortable people feel going to events with crowds. And not so much whether or not a hotel, for example, decides that they're going to be open for business. Yeah, Brian, I think you make a great point there. It is more than than just, hey, we're going to do an event. It's will people feel comfortable in coming out. And, and I saw just earlier today that, that the Disney parks have announced a tentative limited reopening in the United States on July 11th. Um, you know, the question is, will people respond? Is it still fun to go to the Magic Kingdom if you have to be masked up, especially in Central Florida in the heat of summer? Uh, you know, are people going right. to want to... And I think I read it was it was just a couple of their properties that were going to be open for uh, for at least this first stage. Right. So you know, they're, they're going to be figuring things out. And uh, even the properties that are open so far are not booked up uh, they're trying to get people coming in and they have a, they have a while to go so we all have a while to go brian kaplovitz from speakermatch.com is our guest today and i'm sure this has negatively impacted your business you did mention earlier that that speakers that you work with most of the most successful speakers uh don't view their their honorarium to speak as their main source of income they you know, they go out and do a presentation and maybe they pick up a consulting fee. Maybe they sell lots of their books at those speaking events. So so they, you know, diversify their, their economic portfolio so that it doesn't just land on speaking. Is that something that you're able to do within the speaker match business? Is there a way for you to uh, diversify your portfolio, so to speak? Well, the speakers have a profile on the site so that they can be found and they still need to advertise their services. They still need people to be able to find them. And the, the starting service fee for speaker matches $29 and 95 cents every four weeks. So it's a very affordable way of advertising, but anybody that's in business needs to be doing some form of advertising and I think that we we have an easy option for people to have their information from other people. I think that's really smart. I uh, spent a lot of years in the broadcasting industry and when there are not a lot of other commercials on the air, uh, when there's not a lot of competition for eyeballs and ears, your message can really cut through, and if you have something that uh, you know someone can purchase, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but down the road, and you stay top of mind during that time, uh, you know those advertisers would always tend to be by far the most successful ones. Uh, for example, Brian, in the first quarter of the year, and in, in January and February, most advertisers 
have blown their entire budget on all those Thanksgiving to Christmas sales, and they would fall off the air in January and February. And so the advertisers that were consistent uh, got highlighted a lot more in January and February because there were not as many other folks uh, marketing their businesses. And I wonder if there's something to that. If if you're a speaker right now and you're on speakermatch.com and, and you're staying in touch with those meeting planners on the on the marketplace and you're dripping content out to them that's relevant content on a regular basis. Hey, you know, I'm I'm here. I know that, that you're having a tough time and you may have to reschedule all your events, but when you're ready, I'm ready and, and here's why I'd like to be considered. I wonder if there's not a a real opportunity there for speakers to really stay on their game right now. I think it's a huge opportunity. So much of this business is based on relationships and it's a great time to be building relationships, which is you know why a lot of those speakers are speaking for free because they are nurturing the relationship that they have and building relationships or building, uh, you know, trust with the people that they're working with and so yeah there's plenty of things to do right now it's harder to say there's uh, plenty of ways to to generate income <laughs> so, <laughs> if you consider it as a as an investment in your business um you know knowing that income is uh is coming eventually then uh, it's certainly worth putting in the time right now. Everybody's got some time right now, right? That's right. If you can afford to look at it in the long game, that makes lots of sense. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that we're doing is this uh, Big Time Talker podcast. And, of course, lots of your speakers have really unique information and life experience. And we love talking to folks like that on the podcast. So I would think that, that one of the things that speakers should look for are ways to market themselves by doing uh, you know, media interviews, by doing podcasts, by getting on their local television station, their local radio station, especially if, if they can contribute in some way to this big national conversation. Um, are you encouraging your speakers to do that, to utilize their expertise to, to market themselves in the media as well? You know, I haven't really talked too much about the media. Um, that is a, that's a good point. But yes, I'm encouraging them to do what they can to stay relevant and stay top of mind with meeting planners. Well, we'll put it out there right now. Any of the speakers on speakermatch.com or speakers anywhere who think they have something unique and interesting and compelling, they'd like to say we'd love to have them as a guest on the Big Time Talker podcast. Ryan, you and I have been friends for a long time. I uh, I wish you and your family nothing but the best. I know this is a tough time for your industry, but as you know, you're not alone. We're we're certainly, uh, if not all in this together, we're on different boats in the same ocean. So uh, paddle as fast and as hard as you can, my friend. I like that. Thank you for being with us. Brian Kaplovitz, our guest today. He's the CEO of SpeakerMatch.com, and they are the sponsor of the Big Time Talker podcast. Wherever you are, whatever you do, stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, everybody. <laughs>